Hi, this is Sophie Campbell, a writer and artist of Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to Spoiler Country. It's time to enter the spoilerverse via our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John and Henrik and Jeff. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on spoilerverse.com. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcaster, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Cult of the Spoilerverse, and welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That is Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, on the show, <laughs> well, it's Sophie Campbell, isn't it? It is. And Sophie came on and she talked with Jeff uh, about all the stuff she's working on now and her history in the comic world and and you know working on things like the Turtles and Jim and the Holograms and Wet yeah. Moon and she's Shadow Eyes and. She's done a lot. a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. She's done a lot of stuff. Been around for a while, been, been in the scene for, you know, a, a few years and just, done some stuff. Just a couple of years. Just a little bit yeah. here, a little bit there. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's, uh, we, I gotta, I do, I do have to apologize to Sophie because we've been sitting on this interview for a little longer than I thought we were. I thought we had released it. And then I realized looking in our files that we hadn't. Oh, so it's coming out fired. now. And I do apologize. <laughs> That's my John's fault. fired. That means the spoiler country has gone away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I keep meaning to put it out, and then I keep like just it keeps getting moved, and then I forget. Yeah. But anyways, but here it is. Here it is, in all of its wonderful glory. It's noticed too. Jeff's been doing a lot of interviews lately. Dude, Jeff's been killing it. Yeah. I mean, you and I have been so busy lately with other stuff, and Jeff and has stepped up his game, and Casey's doing stuff. And we well, when there's now, only, I mean, here's the deal: when there's only two of us that end up doing ninety nine percent of the work to have the a lot of the work, and I shouldn't say that like that way. When it's the two of us, that, at the beginning, it was just the two of us, and it was 100% just you and I. Yeah. 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 And so when we time. both had something going on, like buying houses or, you know, and moving and doing all this stuff, then we just wouldn't do it during that time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you'd have a two week lull, or I think there's one time that we had almost a month lull, but by the time we, in between doing things. So yeah. Yeah. Now that we have, Jeff and Casey and Melissa and and you and I and everybody working towards this, we're still trying to pump out all these episodes as fast and as much as we can. Um, so when you have things like this, you're gonna have these dips where somebody like Jeff is gonna pick up the slack and do a ton of episodes and a ton of interviews, and it's awesome. And thank you very much, Jeff. You're killing it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And and with that, why don't we sit back, listen to to Jeff and Sophie in their own words. Everything that I was getting ready to say. Hello, listeners of Spoiler Country. 
Today on the show, we had the fantastic Sophie Campbell. How are you doing, Sophie? Good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's definitely my pleasure. I'm really loving what you're doing with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I was just wondering how things are with you in your life. Good. You know, pretty, uh, you know, I'm kind of I'm quarantined or whatever, working at home. Um, pretty uneventful. Is, is where you are still in lockdown? I don't know if we're officially in lockdown, but I think people are still, you know, social distancing and all that stuff. Yeah, it's pretty much um, where I am. I, I live in Rhode Island. They We've just opened up. So our schools open up uh, a week from Monday. Everything basically is now considered full open. So we'll see how that turns out. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it'll be okay. Um, I'm, I'm hoping so. We were told by the governor that uh, to expect outbreaks, but we'll be fine. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a weird world we live in now, isn't it? it? Sounds like a hell of a plan your governor's <laughs> Yeah, I'm a little surprised. I, I guess she's not worried about re-election because ter- she's term limited. So I guess she's figured just screw it. <laughs> what a mess. Yeah, she'll move to Florida in uh, November, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was looking um, a little bit about you, and I found this actually fascinating, is that you're actually a prior fellow podcaster. Oh, yeah, I did. Guys, uh, I don't even remember when that was. It was a long time ago. <laughs> I think it was, see, she did it for about four years. I guess it was around 2009, I think it was. Am I right, anywhere near the date on that? I think. Your guess is as good as mine. I can't remember. <laughs> no worries. So what was the focus of your podcast? It was with my friend Nick Marino. We would do mostly, like, like reviews of stupid movies and we would have like our big thing that like everybody seemed to like was we marathoned the 90s x-men cartoon nice and it was on the marvel site at the time i don't know if it still is but we would do that and we would watch like a few episodes you know per podcast episode and we would take like funny screen caps and we would have uh writer kelly thompson was like a frequent guest oh she's cool like a, you know she's like a big shot now big shot <laughs> writer now yes she is yeah but you know she was on there a lot but yeah it was mostly yeah it was mostly just talking about you know stupid shows and, and stupid movies Oh, wait, so you're, wait, are you putting X-Men, the animated series, under stupid? Yeah, it's awful, man. I hate it. <laughs> really? Why was it awful? It's just, I never watched it, like, as a kid, like, when it was on, so I had no, I had no, like, prior connection to it or, like, any nostalgia. It's just, uh, it's just not... It's stupid. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> well, um, I'm just going to point out, I grew up with the X-Men series, so you know, uh, tre- tre- tread lightly. <laughs> there, but, was, uh, there was a couple times where I was like, I can't, guys, I can't do this. I can't do this show anymore. I, or, I can't watch this X-Men show anymore. Like, we need a little break. So we well, would like, take a little break and then go back to it. Well, well, I will say it didn't age as well as some other shows like Batman animated series. I think definitely aged better than the X-Men animated series. <laughs> Certainly. Um, <laughs> the two things that always caught me and always aggravated me about the X-Men anime series first is always the threat of a fight between Wolverine and whoever and it never happens like ever because <laughs> well, like, he can't he's not allowed to stab anybody with his claws or anything can't do anything that, that, that is one of the great handicaps of having a guy whose main thing is stabbing people on a show made for children yeah like nobody can really do anything and they I don't know uh, the animation's terrible everybody's like voices are so stupid <laughs> And, and the other issue I always had was that they always introduced a guest 
character who was always supposed to be on the team and then just at the end be like, no, I'm not interested. They'd like walk away from him. <laughs> so, you know, like they remember like Beast for like the first like five seasons was like, he'll be back on the team. Wait, I'm going to stay in prison. I no, I will not join you guys again. And like, I think uh, I think well, they did the same thing with. I vaguely remember Beast being in prison. Yeah, he, he was in prison for being a mutant, I guess. And a few times they broke him out and he said, no, guys, I'm going to stay in prison because I'm going to fight this in court. Yeah, like, to, you know, <laughs> play by the law. Yeah, because, you know, kids love the law. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't, I, I thought it was a pretty, you know, for, for at the time when I think when it came out, I was, I don't know, like 12 maybe. And it was entertaining. But I mean, obviously it's not up to the standards like Batman animated series, but I think it holds up well to some of the cartoons that are out nowadays for kids. Those kids nowadays, I feel like, have horrible cartoons. Uh, I don't know if that's true. You know, they got, like, Steven Universe and the new She-Ra and stuff like that. Those are pretty good. I I know. I guess, I mean, something about She-Ra, it kind of feels like it's slightly older, though, than maybe, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it feels like it's more teenager than kid. Maybe. Um, I don't know what kids, what, what do kids watch now? Well, it's hard. I mean, I don't watch um, much cartoons anymore because, you know, I'm old. <laughs> How do you know they're terrible? Well, I've seen a f- the little that I've seen. I mean, I, I, it just like I guess I'm still at the point where I think Pokemon is still considered like the new stuff. Oh, is Pokemon still on? I'm not sure. I mean, I might just be that old that I, I have lost track. But like when we got to the point where characters only like say like one or two words like their names and stuff i just kind of was like you know what i think i gave up on modern cartoons <laughs> i'm sure there's some good stuff out there that kids are into i just don't know what it is <laughs> i find like the best cartoons now are the ones made for adults like rick and morty and some of the others that are more um like oh but i, I did find i got hooked into avatar the last airbender and yes. legend of Korra. yeah there you go that's for kids right <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, we'll say it's again, it feels a little like it may be like 12 and up or 13 and up. Doesn't, I'm not sure it's quite kids. I'm not sure. Let's see. I'm, I'm Googling right now. What cartoons are kids watching? Here we go. <laughs> 60 best kids TV shows for 2020. All right. Here we go. All right. Let's see. We got DC Superhero Girls. It, once again, it's, it's a show I don't like. I said when I was a kid, we'd have Batman anime series versus DC superhero girls. I think Batman's better. Yeah, Wizards, Tales of Arcadia. I don't know what that is. No, no, don't know, I have no idea. Super Monsters. Super Monsters. Yeah, the cur- the new Looney Tunes, True, and the Rainbow Kingdom. H- have you seen the new Ducktales pictures? I haven't. I they. Haven't they they have totally changed the art of what, what was the a fantastic original DuckTales and Thundercats too. They they messed with Thundercats and I can't forgive that either for modern TV. <laughs> Tots like T-O-T at Tiny Ones Transport Service. That sounds really exciting. The Not Too Late Show with Elmo. It's not a cartoon though. No, but it's still kids though. Uh, we got Bluey, which is about a family of dogs apparently. That, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. There's like 60 of these. I'm not going to read through all of these. But, <laughs> but yeah, regardless, it looks like there's plenty of shows. I'm sure there's plenty, plenty of shows, but are they good, though? I don't know. But I don't know if we can judge it because we're adults. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say I'm relatively immature, though. <laughs> so so you, what were some of the other movies that you found as a when you were doing your podcast that you found like incredibly bad? Oh, man. That, that you talked about. Trying to remember some of the stuff we talked about. Well, what? Why did you stop doing your podcast? Um, Nick got tired of doing all the production, all the post-production stuff. Yeah, 
and it was like too time consuming. And he was just like, all right, I can't do this anymore. So we, he just shut it down. He shut it all down. Well, what kind of advice can, as someone who does, who's doing podcasts, this is, I'm actually about to do my complete my first year of doing podcasts. I came on, um, the show itself has been around for four years with Kendrick and John, but I came on about a year ago almost. So what kind of advice can you give other podcasters for how to make a good show, make it work, you know? What can you tell us? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know if we had a good show. <laughs> I guess, like, personally, I think the best podcasts are unscripted. Yeah, so that's like my advice is just like you know, do it with your friends, keep it unscripted, and you know, make one thing that people always seem to like is when we had like visual aids to go with an episode. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, like like I mentioned, like we would make, like do funny screen caps of X-Men and like GIFs and stuff. And people always seem to really love those. Oh, um, that's some hardcore graphics and stuff you guys are doing then, you did back then. Yeah, like we would, you know, just use the Photoshop GIF maker and just like, <laughs> do screen caps and put them into the GIF maker. I think oh, very I nice. Some of them. I should send some to you. Yes, it definitely. And it, do your podcasts still exist online or are they now completely I, lost? I think, it's, I think it's all scrubbed. It's all gone. Oh, no, that's horrible. Did you ever get advertising for your show? We're some, that's something I've always been talking about with the people in our podcast that we got, you know, something we need to do. Was that something that you looked into or? Uh, no, it was really casual. It wasn't like, you know, professional or anything like that. It was just us goofing around. There weren't any like ads or anything. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if if I kind of professional either. So, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, like if you're looking to you know do a podcast, like I guess as a job, like you know, you got to get some kind of ad like ad revenue. Yeah, that always seems the big question. It always sounds like something that I'm not sure if it sounds easier than it would be. I mean, but I I, it's always something that's like the big you know if you can get if you can just get this company you know yeah. So after you so where, so you quit podcasting. Is that something you ever going to do again? You think? Um, I doubt it. Like I only did it because I was friends with Nick, and he had a site and some other podcasts with like his other friends. And Nick and I went to high school together, and we got back in touch. You know, like like over a decade later, and the podcast thing it just started as kind of just goofing off, and then you know we just did it for a while, and yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't meant to be like anything serious. Now, were you was the podcast that was that existed prior to your starting Wet Moon, correct? For Oni? Uh, no, it was in it was like mid Wet Moon because like I started Wet Moon in two thousand four, and then a podcast because like Nick and I got back in touch because Nick was reading comics and he like saw that I was doing comics and he he reached out to me. So he had read Wet Moon or something like that at that point. Well, well okay. Well, oh, okay, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was done. Uh, no, I was, I was gonna say because um, I was reading up on on Wet Moon, and once again, it, it's very. It's a, it was a very well respected comic book. It, it was known for having a very di- very diverse cast. It also talked about a lot of groups and issues that didn't seem to be common to comic books. Even nowadays, it doesn't seem like something that's talked about a lot in comic books. Some of the issues that you dealt with. So why, so what, how was wet, what inspired you to do wet moon and what was, you know, are, are there certain aspects of wet moon that you're um, particularly very proud of? I was, I think like the main inspiration for wet moon was 
my time going to school in uh, Savannah, Georgia. I went to art school there and I knew I wanted to do like a slice of life thing with like kind of supernatural undertones, kind of like Twin Peaks and going to school in, in uh, Savannah with, you know, like an art school, all these kind of uh, like, I don't know if you've ever been to Georgia, but I've I've driven through a few times on the way to Florida. (laughs) I don't know. Something about Savannah, the place is like, I don't know. It, it, It has this like feeling in the air to it that is like kind of strange the whole place is just like you know it's like kind of swampy like stuff is just kind of like slightly weird i don't know i mean there's the there's a reason that like you know they shoot a lot of movies in savannah and it's just it's very like picturesque but in this kind of like dark way i can't really explain it but you know that was really inspiring so i wanted to do something that was like slice of life set in a city like that where it's kind of swampy and southern and you know with like all these art students so that was like the main inspiration so how did you get involved with get that book and you got it published by oni press how did that come about um i kind of followed i followed like oni editors around and some of their writers like a puppy dog until they <laughs> gave the book. and this was back you know before twitter and before like like everything in comics was all kind of like connected online so i had to go to like conventions and like you know lug my portfolio case around and stuff like that and you know i would just like kind of tag along with uh, writer jen van meter and stuff like that and eventually they just gave me some work they gave me like some fill-in stuff and i, I ended up pitching uh wet moon well, like I said, it's, it's very cool, and I think what I think once again that was very well respected about Wet Moon. Once again, is the the type of storylines that you dealt with really are not only impactful, but were very personal. It seemed like. Yeah, I think I don't know. I don't know if I if you know I like to think that that I was like maybe like a little bit like like ahead of my time or whatever with Wet Moon, just like you know the depiction of like different body types and you know the whole like kind of like goth subculture thing that i was doing and i feel like i feel like that like resonated with people at the time like i feel like i just remember like like hearing from so many people on like deviant art and stuff like that you know saying how like wet moon like really resonated with them because they were also like a kind of like sad goth teen or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I think there was something about it. I didn't really like expect it. I didn't really plan for it or anything like that. It just, it, you know, like it, it uh, ended up really surprising me. And, you know, like I used to get tons of terrible reviews from like critics and stuff on wet moon. Really? But I feel like in recent years, there's been this kind of like, reconsideration of wet moon and i remember there was there was like this tide that started to turn or something at one point and i was just like i was like whoa you know i'm getting some i'm getting some decent reviews now like i don't know what's different what's changed but you know it's pretty good i mean i i would say almost maybe the culture change you know like you did say you seemed like you might have um beat the curve just a little bit 
and the culture might have caught up with you finally. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what it is. Like, I don't know. It's not for like Wet Moon's not for everybody, which is fine. But and as a as a writer and a creator of your own comic book, you said you got some bad reviews. How did you deal with that? Like, how were you able to compartmentalize this, you know, and move on to con- and continue working on this project? Bad reviews like usually don't bother me unless it's unless they criticize something that i agree with like you know if it's somebody just like oh i don't like this and you know here's why it's stupid you know the art is bad blah 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 blah. like it's fine like i don't really care and i just kind of laugh but if it's something like like legit then it then like i really beat myself up about it because i'm like oh they're right like that's terrible i can't believe i did that it, it it is always worse when it's true, isn't it? Because like because I I published um a comic book of mine, it's a indie nowhere near you know what you're doing, but called uh, Malik Raining Devil, and I was very proud of the comic book. I was very excited with you know I thought it came out so well, and I got this one review that was so bad. It was so bad. I was like so bad that in a way that you're like, where it's like almost painful. And the parts that bothered me were the parts that they hit on that I kind of was like I can see where they came from on that, and that's the worst. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Where like you know. And it's almost like, like it's always stuff that I that didn't occur to me until the person brought it up. I'm like, oh, oh I see that now. Like, oh my god! And especially if it's something like offensive or like problematic or something, where where like I just I really like you know kick myself. Like, oh my god, I can't believe I didn't caught that. I should have. Yeah, um, you know. Yeah, that- Needed get gotten a sensitivity reader or something like that or just I don't know something, you know like another like uh, lens to look at it through and like maybe I could have caught this before it went to print, but yeah that stuff really be, you know makes me beat myself up. Yeah, I must say I, when I got my real bad review, I, I mean I don't get me wrong, I've had good reviews as well, but I mean the the bad one. I think I stopped. I didn't write for like three weeks later. <laughs> like three weeks, I didn't like write anything. I was like, shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, it like it just like knocks the wind out of your sails when it's something like that, and like you just don't feel like doing anything. Yeah, I, I really do feel that in many ways, writing is an act of faith, or creating is an act of faith, where you have to believe in what you're doing to do it. The moment that doubt creeps in, it's almost like a like almost like a virus that over that overtakes it, and you make it makes it hard to continue. Yeah, because, you know, like, you know, you start kind of second guessing everything you're doing, which can be good. You know, it's good to kind of take stock in your work and what you're what you're putting out there or whatever. But if you're doing, you know, like every page, like, uh, is this good? I don't know. You know, like if you're, you, you know, like you get too wishy washy, you, you start you know questioning your motivation and everything it can definitely like you know cause it to collapse yeah and and i think that's why i love comic books because i i think a few times in my life i've started the novel you know the great american novel tried it you know <laughs> and I, I what i realized is about comic books versus a novel is that it's much easier to muster faith for 20 pages of, or 22 pages of a comic book than it is to keep faith for 400 pages of a novel you know what i'm saying <laughs> I guess so. I mean, I do a lot of graphic novels, so it's not, you know, like I'm not always doing 20 pages at a time. Oh, oh, I mean, I mean, like, um, like novel, like prose novel. No, like, you I know, the four or five hundred pages. And, but, and I, and I, oh, you do those as well? 
no, I, no, I don't do prose novels, but like, you know, I've done like a 300 page graphic novel. It's still, you know, holding, you know, somebody's attention for 300 pages. True, true, true. And yeah, let me, and I, I do think part of me does think that because of comics, the, usually the length and whatnot does allow, I think for people to, to be willing to get more, put more chances in comic books or make, or be more experimental. I don't know what you thought about that. See, I kind of feel, I kind of feel the opposite where I feel like when I'm doing like a 20 page monthly issue, I, I never feel like, I feel like it's too short to give anybody like, or to like convey like, the ideas or whatever, or like, oh, you know, the, it's just 20 pages. People are going to like read it and then just give up, you know, because it's only 20 pages. But like, if you give somebody like, you know, a 200 page graphic novel comic, like chances are they're going to read the whole thing. Mm. Like, unless it's like terrible, I guess. But <laughs> with a monthly thing, it's like between every issue, it's like a jumping off point where, you know, there's this kind of like, there's this lull and like so you know, so many people they'll read like, you know, a few issues and then be like, ah, I get the idea and they drop it. And then they don't see like, you know, your next issue, which is where it all comes together, you know? Yeah. But like with a graphic novel format thing, it's like, they're going to read the whole thing and then it wraps up and they get it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, no, I, so I agree. I feel, like, I feel like with graphic novels, you have, more chances to, you know, capture somebody and there's just like more room to breathe, I think. Well, I I will agree. Um, I know um, regular issues tend to have a a standard attrition. I think the first issue from the second issue drops like 60% of sales, like right off the bat. And then the third issue is usually like 40% drop. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So are you considering going back to doing indie comic books at some point? Yeah, after I finish. Finish Ninja Turtles. I'm going back to finish my Shadow Eyes book. Finally, I'm going to do that, and then I definitely want to do more. It's just hard because, like you know, like typically the licensed stuff is what pays the bills. Yeah. Um, so it's like I have to kind of juggle the indie stuff with like Ninja Turtles or something else, you know. So you're leaving the book, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, soon. I'm writing until issue 120 okay uh, oh so so we we got some time with you (laughs) still in the title (laughs) i mean it's still like way more issues than i had originally thought i was going to do like the the original thing when bobby the editor came to me it was just like i was going to be doing just 12 issues for like one year but i'm going to be i'm going to end up doing like 20 issues so it's you know it's still it's quite a bit more um i won't be drawing all of it because that's impossible but you know, be writing up until one twenty at least, unless things change. Yeah, I was interested. I was on Twitter, which I, I will say for most people, not you know, Twitter's not always the best place. And there was, there was an argument being made about people were saying that writing for licenses or IPs, and were saying negative things about that practice. And I thought to myself, some of the best comic books out right now for me, I'm enjoying Transformers, and I'm loving Teen, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Why? Why do you think people give? or give a hard time about license writing for licenses well what were their like what were their arguments about it i I guess it was an issue of creativity i think was the issue or selling out i think was the two issues but at the same time i think i mean i think the i think for some people the idea is like 
you know, like if you're doing a licensed book that you don't have any creative freedom because you have to deal with the licensors and like the approval process and like you can't do whatever you want. So it's this kind of watered down kind of factory factory production thing that doesn't like take any risks or, you know, isn't like fulfilling artistically or whatever. But I don't know. I think that's kind of dumb. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. Like I said, I think like I said, if you, I don't know if you read what's going on with transformers with Brian Ruckley's work, he's definitely taking transformers in a direction that's way more, not only serious, but a little more, a little deeper than the TV show ever was, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, and it doesn't have to be like, I don't know. It doesn't have to be like a sellout thing. I mean, yeah, it's nice. I'm getting paid, but you know, there, I feel like eh, it, it, it definitely depends on like the property too. But like, as far as like turtles goes, like, I don't, I don't think like, I don't view it as, like me selling out it's like one it lets me pay the bills which is you know pretty like like, you know you don't tell somebody who works in like an office they're selling out or whatever like you know it's just like you gotta do what you gotta do to make that money right um and then two it's like you know i love you know i love ninja turtles i love working on that book it's great, you know, like this, sure, there's stuff we can't do. Like, I can't have the turtles murder people, which is too bad, <laughs> but that's what it is. But, like, there's still, like, like, other stuff that I can do with the turtles, you know, just because I can't, like, have them murder and, like, swear and, you know, do, you know, I, I can't do, like, whatever I want. But there's something kind of exciting, like, working like within certain confines sometimes and you know it kind of makes you think differently it kind of gives you different ideas that you wouldn't come up with otherwise i don't know like maybe for like maybe for some creators working on licensed stuff they're like consciously selling out which is what, you know like selling out i say in quotes because it's kind of not a real thing it's stupid yes but like you know and that's fine too but like for me it's definitely you know, not, it's not just a job, you know, like I'm definitely like, you know, pouring myself, my heart or whatever, like into Ninja Turtles. I'm like, yeah, I don't own it. You know, like it's owned by Viacom and that's just how it goes. But I don't know. I'm still having a blast. And like, you know, that's what it matters to me at the end of the day is if I had doing it and didn't want to kill myself while working on it. And I don't. I always have like a theory where some of these I- IPs actually are some ways better at bringing in a non-comic book audience because of the property that they connect to. Yeah, definitely. Because like you know, I mean, you know, something that has the name recognition, you know, like that's always going to be like more powerful than you know something like you know going back to Wet Moon. It's like the name Wet Moon like doesn't mean anything to most people. And, but, you know, if they see like Ninja Turtles, they'll be like, oh, hey, it's like the turtles from that movie or from that show. Like, I didn't know there were comics and then they read the comics and and then they, you know, they have that as like an entry point and then they get into more turtles comics and maybe they get into other comics. So, well, and and, and I completely agree with you. I mean, a lot of, I think, writers and creators, you know, you know, like, like you doing the turtles when you work on your next indie 
once again, there's a gate between turtles and your next project. So they, you're bringing them into eventually the indie world by using your name and build and building good stories in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And I think like, I think generally for most people, like they're not going to follow me off turtles to my own stuff. They're going to stay with turtles, which is fine, but there are going to be like some people who might get curious, you know, or, and like, you know, I feel like that's worth it. And doing, do it like doing stuff like turtles. It lets me, you know, make a bunch of money uh, and like, you know, put a bunch of stuff into savings and then I can go do my, you know, small indie solo comics that don't make any money because turtles allowed me to do that. Is, is that something you're considering kickstarting your, when you eventually go to your in, independent project or self-finance or self oh, self-finance, I guess. Yeah. Sha- uh, Shadow eyes is put out by iron circus and they do kickstarters for most of their books. So there'll be a kickstarter for the next shadow eyes book. So without getting too deep into any kind of controversy, obviously the, the bigger thing going on right now is the idea that uh, i guess boom is keanu reeves's comic book is being kick-started <laughs> yes. that, huh see yeah I, I heard about that yesterday I, I have no idea what's going on with that but it, it uh, seems a, a little strange but yeah, I, I i was surprised with the level of controversy it was causing i mean again I, I think i can see someone having views on it but i was surprised with how much of uh, social media has been especially the comic book social media been obsessing over this issue so like, I don't know that much about it. Like, I heard a couple of friends talking about it yesterday. So basically the issue is, like, let me see if I have this right. It's like, they're doing this book that's like, that Keanu Reeves is like somehow involved in some capacity. And it's a boom book. Yep. And so people are, are upset because, like, Keanu Reeves could, like, basically just fund it himself, like, with pocket change or he's rich or whatever. <laughs> Is yeah, that, yeah. I, I, I think the issue that people are having, I think, is that not only Keanu Reeves, you know, take it out of his couch and pay for it probably quite nicely, <laughs> but also Boom being a the number six, maybe or seven largest company could probably fund it. And I think the other issue as well is that unlike maybe you who may make an independent book and take the risk, Keanu Reeves probably doesn't have a lot of risk involved in a book with his name on it. You know what I'm saying? Because his name is big enough that people would just be curious, you know, that it's not that Keanu Reeves, I mean, Kickstarter seems to be the place for those taking a risk, you know? Yeah, I guess, like, I don't know. I don't have, I guess I don't, like, really care that much. <laughs> um, it's like, it's so, like, like, far out of my sphere or whatever that it just, like, doesn't affect me at all. Just like, yeah, Keanu Reeves is great. And, you know, if he wants to, doing kickstarter or whatever that's cool i don't know like i'm not gonna pledge to it so I don't know. <laughs> I don't well what, what, what it comes down to is obviously is it's up anyone who wants to give their money they have every right to do so yeah and, it's fun and yeah. i feel like kickstarter isn't it's not just a way i mean like primarily it's a way to like fund your project right yeah but it is since a kickstarter like runs for a certain period of time like a month or whatever like it's kind of like this constant, you know, it's like an, another advert. It's another way to advertise. And I feel like Kickstarter is there, like the boom Keanu Reeves Kickstarter. I feel like I would bet that 
it's doing exactly what they expected it to do and get people talking and like whether or not like they're you know pissed off about it or support it or whatever it's just like now they have all this publicity you know <laughs> like and, yeah, and and good I, for them i guess well um, i i mean i imagine pardon me though i mean obviously advertising it's going to sell a lot of copies i mean the moment Keanu Reeves puts his name on that comic book, you're going to sell several yeah. thousand copies. I mean, it's, it's, without, without any doubt, he's going to probably they got, they got funded like super fast, right? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure it it beat all projections or whatever they asked for. Right. Think, <laughs> <laughs> See, as you would expect, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's like they like maybe not Keanu. I don't know how plugged in he is to like you know behind the scenes like marketing and production and stuff. Uh, I'm sure he's like, not. yeah, like the the people who put it together at Boom, like they absolutely knew exactly what it, it was going to do, and it's like, yeah, like maybe they're not taking a risk or whatever, but it's just like, hey, you know, you just made you know three hundred thousand dollars, like good yeah. for you. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> sort of like um, what Tom McFarlane did it with his action figures. I think he got four, like two or two to four million dollars on Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> People want to give you their that that money to to do it. It's like Kickstarter. It's like a you know. It's like a what are those like a funnel or whatever where it's like it's just really easy. Like you throw it in, into like a big reservoir and it gets all funneled down into one place. It's just really easy to do it. You know, yeah. Some people fail or whatever, but it's still like a great way to get everybody's attention in like one place where it's like really straightforward. Like do you like like you know do you want to be a part of this click this button done you know you're you pledge your money good to go and this is really it's just really easy and simplified you know i don't know i don't have a problem with it at all i guess not that there aren't you know predatory people on kickstarter but i don't know i feel like i mean as long as they like deliver on the book i guess and like you know tell people like where the money's going i feel like you know definitely there's definitely been some kickstarters where the people like running it like aren't transparent about like where the money goes and that you know that can definitely get, get them into trouble and well, screw well, people over but, it, does, it does pose the question is uh, one question of Four hundred thousand dollars for one issue. Where's that money going? <laughs> yeah, I, I think people should definitely, you know, get to know where that money is going. You know. No, I no, I agree. Like, I just thought it was kind of interesting, and in that it was such a big deal. And and I will agree. I, I imagine Keanu Reeves probably is totally not involved, though he probably does have recognize his name's attached. I don't know if he's necessarily paying attention. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I guess you know, like. I don't think he's the one like running the Kickstarter is basically my point. Oh yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you on that. But so I'm going to, I'm going to segue just a little bit. You did say something. We did have a conversation on Twitter. I don't, you probably don't remember because it was a minor Twitter thing where I pointed, I asked you, your, you said your favorite and it was in early August, your favorite turtle movie of all time is Tarantino Mutant Turtles out of the shadows. Oh yeah. Is that intentionally provocative? No, it's true. I, Better than I, 1990. I stand by that statement. <laughs> uh, I love the 1990 movie. You know, obviously that's great, but and, you know, and there's stuff about, you know, out of the shadows that I don't like, you know, obviously like, you know, like the April schoolgirl outfit scene, which is stupid. Yeah. I don't have any real affection for 
Bebop and Rocksteady or like the cart, like the, the stuff from the cartoon. Like I don't care about Krang. I don't care about that stuff. But as far as like the turtles themselves go, it's the best one. Well, do you so did you, you prefer th- that design or do you prefer the design from like the '90s movies or the cartoons? I liked it. Yeah, no, the '90s movies visually you can't top it. Those like, those old turtle suits and those are great. But like the way the turtles are written and out of the shadows, it's like in most turtles movies they tend to kind of focus on like Raphael and yeah. like, and like me maybe Leonardo and you know, Michelangelo and Donatello. They're, they're usually not always, they're usually kind of like afterthoughts or they don't really know what to do with them. And I feel like the 1990 movie suffers a lot from that. Like, like especially uh, Don, you know, he's, they just don't seem to know what to do with him in that movie. He's just kind of there to like make a, an occasional joke. He doesn't really have like, I don't know, like an arc, you know? Uh, I, I will agree. They kind of merged Mi- Michelangelo and Donatello in the 90s movie is virtually similar in personality. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't like that. I feel like it's, you know, it's a Leo Raff movie, really, you know? And in like Out of the Shadows, all four of the turtles, they all get their own arcs, they all have like a range of emotions. Michelangelo, he doesn't always have to be silly, you know, like he gets to like, you know, he gets to be angry. He gets to be sad. Well, Donatello gets like more than one line of dialogue. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like they all like and like another thing, it's like each turtle in Out of the Shadows, they all like interact with each other. But in the 1990 movie, like, I don't know if like raf or don if if they like ever exchange like dialogue together at all you know like i just don't like i don't think like leo and and mikey talk either that's a good question i really don't know i can't remember if they ever did very the turtles in the 90 and the the 90 movie they feel very kind of like compartmentalized to me where it's like mikey and don leo and raf and you know that's there's nothing like unrealistic about that. Like families are like that sometimes, but like, I don't know. It, I, I just like, I feel like in the, out of the, the, out of the shadows movie, it feels like they feel like fuller characters to me. Does, does it at all bother you that in their introduction, they said Leo's the leader, Raphael's the muscle, Donatello's the brain and Mikey likes pizza. Did it bother at all that Mikey got the short shift in that? Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I feel like those name intros, it's just kind of like a joke. Because, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a joke. It doesn't really matter. So, um, so who's the best Casey Jones? Uh, the one from uh, Elias Coteas from no, the first movie? Or Stephen Amell? No, Elias Coteas, like, hands down, is the best Casey Jones. I, I will totally agree with you on that. He actually, he's he's a great, he did, they did a great job with that character. Yeah, he is great. Yeah, he's awesome. And I will say April O'Neil from 1990 better than Megan Fox. Yes, uh, yes. Like, uh, yeah, Judith Hogue is the best April of all time. Yes. And, you know, like, yeah, they're both movies are great. There's things I don't like about like either of them, but you know, I think like I think just the treatment of the turtles in in Out of the Shadows it comes out on top. 
Okay, I mean, I can see where you're going with that. Though I will say, um, also visually, I preferred the Shredder from 1990 versus Out of the Shadows. Oh, of course, yeah. All the costumes and the designs from the 1990 movie are great. So, when you're writing your comic book, um, your version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where are you drawing your inspiration from? Is, like, is, are you doing it from the original cartoon? Are you doing it from the movies? Are you doing it from the Bay movies? Like, where, which, because there's so many iterations of Turtles now, which one is yours that you look at and go, I, I'm going to go with this version for my writing mostly the the mirage comics the old ones that's like what got me into turtles when i was a kid and i feel like it's mostly that and i don't know maybe a little bit of, of the 1990 movie because like at least with like like Raphael, i feel like because in mirage raf he's like kind of the jokester and in the 1990 movie, he's like this, you know, this, this, this dark, angry, brooding character, which he like wasn't, he wasn't, he was kind of like that in Mirage sometimes, but not, not nearly as much. And I feel like IDW Raph is closer to 1990 Raph than he is to a Mirage Raph. So I definitely like take some from that. Yeah, and I think in, your, in one of your more recent issues, you had a comment of Leonardo commenting to Raphael that he thought he was going to become a, a team player. He was going to continue being a team player because I guess he was he kind of lone kind of lone wolfed it for a little bit, and that reminded me a lot of the '90s movie where Raphael again is the lone wolf and this question of are you part of the family or not. I think you feel like the last few issues you kind of revisit that a little bit with Raphael again. Yeah, definitely because he's he's always kind of like. On, you know like like on the side or whatever and like he's part of the group but he's still don't know he's a little more like fair weather i guess but you would think in every family though there is that one kid you there's a large family there's usually one like that <laughs> yeah, definitely. yeah definitely i think but like i guess when i approach the turtles it's mostly like because it's you know it's like i have to fit i have to make it fit with what Tom Waltz has has already done on the comic for like a hundred issues, right? So there's definitely that where I'm where like I'm trying to take influence from from like his characterizations of the turtles. But and then you know then there's like, like you know some Mirage because like that's my favorite stuff. And then also kind of just my own stuff like what i think the turtles should be like or what i think they you know what i've taken from the turtles like over the years like as a fan and that's also a part of it and and just my own style of writing is going to be you know it's like automatically going to be different than tom different than the uh, mirage writers so it's going to have a different approach to it i, I definitely would say um, especially in the last two uh, 107 and 108 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has one of the largest credit lines I think I've ever seen in a comic book. You had you got Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz as consultants. You're credited with the story, and Rhonda Patterson is credited with the script. So right. what is everyone actually doing in, in uh, this issue? Actually, Tom and Kevin aren't really that involved at all. I don't – like, I hardly ever – I don't know if I ever really – like, Tom. Tom and I have, like – have you know like bounced ideas back and forth before but he's pretty like he's hands off with what i'm doing and what ha what happened with one wait, 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 
six, seven, yeah, one, like 106 to 108, the Slithery story. Like originally, before the pandemic hit, we were going to do double shipping over the summer, which is like two issues a month. And, you know, it was just like, oh, wow, like there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. It's like impossible. You know, like I'm not even like, I, like, I don't know if I could write, you know, all that much less draw it. So we, you know, you know, I had like the pitch or like the proposal, you know, for the the slithery storyline. And then we brought in Rhonda to take it and turn it into a script. And then I wrote, uh, I wrote like a more detailed outline, a, you know, scene by scene kind of outline for her. And then she kind of springboarded off it. So yeah, it's, it was just, you know, the story is basically just me and Rhonda. So are you going to eventually, from, so from about 109 to 120, are you going to take over script duties again, or are you going to maintain how this is uh, set up? It's going to be me. Okay. Scripts. I have uh, 10, I can't give the numbers straight. There's a six, seven, eight. That's the slithery one. Yeah. Rhonda did. And then nine. Yeah, I have 109 to 113 written already, the scripts. Um, so, so when it says Kevin Eastman is the consultant and Tom Watts, is it sort of just a seal of approval type thing? That, hey, thumbs up. He gave thumbs up to the story kind of thing. Yeah, basically, like, you know, like whenever we finish an issue, Kevin will come in and be like, yeah, this is great. You know? <laughs> and like, they're, you know, they're there if I ever have any questions or if I'm stumped or something like that. Uh, like Tom and I, we hashed out a bunch about like the dragon carcass. That was like, yeah. one of the main things that we talked about, you know, like what happens to the dragon carcass. And I had this whole thing where I wanted it to be like, I wanted to turn it into like, like a hideout for like some evil game. <laughs> it's just like this big skull and like their base is like inside the skull. Yeah. You know? And I just like, I never got to it. Like I never got around to doing it. And so Tom did a bunch of the dragon stuff that we were talking about in the annual. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, the, the, I can't imagine that, or I imagine that the challenge as a writer, but so when you're writing like, Teen Mutant Ninja Turtles, you're dealing with a pretty large cast of characters. You got four turtles, five now with Jenica, April O'Neil, the whole mutant town now. Do you find it difficult to make sure that every character has that moment to shine? Or there, uh, and, and is there times when you're like, this character's been neglected, so the next series, I'm going to make sure that guy's the focus. Uh, yeah, it's, it's rough. I hate it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. And like, I'm kind of used to it because like Wet Moon had a really big cast also. But yeah, it's, you know, you know, so I have some experience with like juggling all, like all these different characters and stuff. But yeah, it's still really difficult because like, uh, yeah, like I want to give everybody, you know, their their moment, or, you know, like give them something to do, right? Like, like even like even if they show up for two panels, you know, just to kind of like touch on them really quick, like okay, you know, Casey Jones like hasn't completely disappeared, like he's still out there, yeah, he's, he's not like actively doing anything, but he still exists, you know, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. It, it's really tough. And sometimes I kind of just have to like, I kind of just have to throw up my hands and be like, okay, I'll get to this character like a couple issues from now. And we're just going to have to live with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you find yourself, because we'll say you're working in per issue only about 22 pages. 
do you find yourself like having to throw out storylines of cat for character or moments for characters that you wanted to give that shine to and be like i just can't and how hard is it for you to be just to just kind of dump them out knowing that you don't have time to hit that in one in your issue i'm trying to think if there's anything there's definitely stuff i delete like i've had to delete and usually it's stuff with like the supporting characters like in 105 there was a scene with sally pride that i really liked and you know there just wasn't room and and, like it was either going to be do this scene or you know cut something else out and i felt like the focus should be on the ninja clan so i cut sally's scene out and you know it sucks it sucks because you know because i like sally and i felt like she needed a beat like after 104 where she like you know beats up hob and you know quits the mute animals and all that stuff and, and but you know I, you know so, sometimes it's just it just doesn't it's just too cramped and you have to you know figure out your priorities i guess like what's the focus of this scene what's what you know what's important blah 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 and you know sometimes the casualties are good stuff like the Sally, like the Sally scene. Yeah, that's the that's the main one I can think of that I had to cut out. I'm trying to think of some other ones. Now, the, the the other interesting thing that you have in your comic book series, um, team, team, you know, your Turtles uh, series, is that you've introduced the character of Jenica, which uh, that obviously doesn't exist in the other TV TV shows um, or the movies, but obviously does in in your in in the series for IDW now. What does she? How does she like? change the team dynamic by having her in this that's that's something i've thought like a ton about because like you know tom he introduced jenica i think back in like is she 51 or something like that she was a you know she was a human back then she was like a foot ninja and so she's been around for a while but like after she was mutated and splinter died spoilers i guess (laughs) (laughs) You know, she's more like in the group now because she's not in the foot. Splinter was kind of like her kind of main link, you know, with the other characters and he's gone. And like after she was mutated in City at War, it was like, you know, she was like interacting with everybody, but there just wasn't any time for her to like kind of settle into the group because there's like so much stuff going on. It's like, Oh my God, the dragon can see <laughs> You know, there just wasn't any time because there was so much stuff going on. So like when I took over, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to re- scale things back and dial it back for a bit and really figure out like how she fits. And yes, yeah, you know, it's stuff like it, it's something I've thought a lot about and like, what her dy- what her dynamic is with like each turtle, you know how she deals with them, like what she brings to the dynamic and so forth. And I mean, like obviously, I can't get that into like just a few issues. It's gonna have to like grow, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if I'm totally happy with how I've done it so far. You know, I can always look back and be like, oh, I should have had her like this instead, or I should have done this instead. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's. I think it, she's on her way. It seems like the interesting about with Jenica is that she feels like, in some in some level, the character has to come overcome the issue of um, not being the in the original 
group or team as far as um, from a fan standpoint? Was it hard to make it feel, make sure that she feels like a legitimate part of um, the comic instead of like, I don't know, a marketing thing? I don't, I, yeah, I guess so. Because like, I'm not, you know, I'm not involved with like, like any of the marketing or whatever goes on that end of it. But like, you know, I just approach her like any other character. And, you know, I try to write her like a person just like I do with the other characters. And I feel like with that approach, you know, like hopefully things will, you know, kind of iron out just like, by 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 the nature of me, like writing the characters organically. And like, obviously, you know, I guess it's not a hundred percent organic. Cause like, obviously I can't be like, ah, oh, well, you know, Jenica, she, she doesn't really fit. I'm going to write her out. <laughs> <laughs> right, know? right. <laughs> I can't really do that. So, like, but I think Tom, you know, like introduced her really well and like set it up really well. And there, you know, there was stuff already in there, like for me to pick up and run. Like, she, like Brom Revel, he did that. What is Ninja story in the TMNT universe? Yeah. Where, you know, she has this like crime criminal background and she's got like the music background. So I was like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's easy. Like, like, why can't, like, what if she's like the musical turtle? You know, yeah. <laughs> something that's not covered by the other turtles. Yeah. Uh, and but I think you did a great job. Like, I'm, I'm enjoying what I'm reading with Jenica. I think she's a good addition to the character. I wasn't really familiar with the character. I started picking up turtles maybe about 10 issues ago so oh, but, wow. but so yeah it, it, it's been pretty much uh, been a pretty recent ad- addition to my pool list as it were yeah, that's cool. but i find jenica to being I, I was a little like i had some concerns with the idea of the character because once again i i grew up you know four turtles from the 90s cart you know from the early cartoon but i felt she fits in very well and she does feel like she belongs there which is obviously always your concern when you add a new character to, to the dynamic yeah and like, you know, it's also like, I don't know, people, I don't know, people are like really precious with like the idea of like, it has to be four turtles because that's how it's always been. Yeah. And so forth. And, but like, I, you know, Jenica, I don't think she probably wouldn't fit in like the, with like the Mirage turtles, for example, you know, but like this isn't Mirage tmnt this is idw it's different and you know the dynamics are different and like every excuse me like every iteration of the turtles hat like they're slightly different the personalities are different you know like you know like go, you know going back to like 1990 movie don he's like a goofy weirdo yeah you know, who makes jokes all the time and stuff and he doesn't really do anything. So like, <laughs> but, like, but in the, then, you know, going back to like, uh, Mirage Donatello or even like, you know, like 2016, you know, out of the shadows, Don, like, he's not like that. He's completely different. He's not like a, a silly goof or whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, and the, the dynamics are different. So it's like, if the characters' personalities change from like version to version, like at some point there's gonna be room for like something else to be in there, and I don't know. It it, it seems like just a, a really like 
narrow-minded kind of approach like oh well there has there can't be a fifth one like the other day there was somebody who was like upset that if if they ever make like a cartoon yeah. with Janica in it she's her name is not gonna fit in the theme song <laughs> she's like what are you talking about man <laughs> like, like one you know they can they uh, you know I'm sure they have songwriters who can throw a fifth character in there. Yeah, you know, that whole three syllables yeah. is really going to throw things. No, right. four syllables. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Three syllables. Like, and like, in two, I, whatever the next cartoon is, you know, I don't know when it's going to happen or like what it's going to be, but I doubt that Jonica is going to be there to begin with. I just, I don't, maybe there'll be a different girl turtle. I don't know. But like, Jenica, she's like, an, she's an IDW character. And and I find it kind of interesting that they are that concerned that they think that a theme song must have the characters' names in it. It's like you know, they could just not do the names. Right. Just, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> People it, it's amazing what the fans get so like wrapped up about. It. I mean it, it actually is kind of interesting when you're like, that's what pisses you off right now. Yeah, and it's like and it's like I don't I'm not doing like we're not doing these comics like, oh, sh- you know, shit, we got to think about, you know, the cartoon that isn't even in development yet. Like what, like the cartoon in like 2025, like, you know, we, gotta <laughs> come, like we have to take that into account. It's like, you know, this is not how these things are made. And like, that'd be so creatively stifling if you had to worry about that much. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, like all I know is that Jenica's, you know, she's an IDW character. She's in the comic. And that's what it, that's what this is, you know, and it doesn't matter if she never goes on to be in any other turtles media. Like, I don't see that as like a failing or, you know, it doesn't mean she's like a bad character or whatever, but it's like, I don't know. Like you just, the comic is its own thing. And I think there's room for like any number of new different ideas or whatever. Well, speaking of other characters, I, I do have to bring up one character who I love, even though it's not technically a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, Usagi Yojimbo. Uh, Is there any hope that he'll, because he's had, he's come over, he's crossed over before in the past. Will he ever cross back over to IDW for your series? Um, Not that I know of, but that would be amazing. That would be, uh, especially if Stan Sakai was involved. I'm that'd, telling you, that'd <laughs> he's so, amazing. That'd be so cool to work with him. Although, I don't know if I'd want to work with him because like, like I would just want to like get out of the way, <laughs> you know, just be like, I don't, you know, you know how to write Usagi. Like you're, a, you know, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Like I'll s- just stand aside and let, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I, I had the pleasure of interviewing Stan Sakai, I think two months ago or three months ago. He's like the most humble guy I've ever met in my entire life. Like yeah. talked to him in my entire life. He, he he doesn't seem like the guy who's been a you know the comic book legend for like thirty years. Yeah, I met him at a convention like years ago. I have some original art of his. Oh, holy crap! And he was just like super nice, and I don't know, he's great. Yeah, I and, love him. And I and I really do love what he did with Usagi Jimbo. And I once again, I've been just buying teen miniature for about maybe uh, ten months or so, ten issues. I just started buying Usagi Jimbo in January. Oh, for yeah. So both of them I started about the same time around January, and uh, and, I, and one of the issues I went back and I found was the an initial Mirage Usagi Jimbo when the teen Ninja Turtles show up in his storyline. I thought, yeah, great. 
he he is so good. And I always wanted him to come back in the stories with the turtles, and I was hoping. I'm, I'm pleading with you. At some point, you gotta find a way. <laughs> I it was like, was it? I'm gonna Google. I'm gonna do some more googling here. Oh, Google away. Some. I thought there was some rumblings about another crossover or something. Didn't that happen? Well, I know there's a TV show on Netflix for Yusagi Ujimbo, so maybe they would want to. And I think there's been a cover crossover with Thor. Maybe not. Well, not. Yeah, maybe Thor with Walt Simonson, but I never heard. Oh of yeah, here it is. It came out in. Oh, the date. <laughs> Twenty seventeen. There was a Turtles Usagi thing. Three years ago? You, yeah. you gotta you gotta do that again now. See, that's been too long. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yes, yeah, he you know, Stan Sakai, he wrote it, drew it, all that stuff. So yeah, so, uh, you gotta get on that. See, I'm just playing that seed for the future. Before you leave, or you write five more issues after one twenty, it's yeah. one has one has to have a Usagi Ojimbo appearance. Yeah, that would be yeah, I would love to draw you soggy that'd be so fun it'd be great yeah <laughs> okay so uh, just another, another thing that's going on with your comic book recently is that you had mutant eel terrorize mutant town correct yeah the slithery the southern character now are you going to see are we gonna see the eel again and are is mutant monsters gonna be like the theme going for like the next few issues i don't in the issues that i'm writing the slither the slithery doesn't come back so far i don't have any other big I don't have any other like like animal like animalistic type monsters, but what I wanted like I'm a you know I'm a huge like monster movie fan, and you know thinking about like like okay I have like three issues like this kind of like interim mini arc, like like what you know, like like what should it be and like my favorite kind of monster is like a water monster that like comes out of the water and gets people you know like jaws or whatever <laughs> and i wanted to do something like a water monster and something that was kind of like the host the bong joon ho movie have you seen that yeah. yeah um yeah definitely yeah so i wanted it to be like that where it's like just like this you know like creature that you know shouldn't really exist and kidnaps people and like brings brings them to its lair and then the turtles have to like go down into like the depths of the sewer or whatever and it picks them off one by one or whatever <laughs> yeah, so, yeah so i wanted it to be like this old school b monster movie but it doesn't seem like the eel is necessarily a bad creature or was it definitely supposed to be a, a bad creature i mean i guess it's, it's like you know it's like the host monster where it's not evil it's just you know, it's just an animal, like kind of, it doesn't really, it doesn't have like an agenda. It's just like doing what it does. But I assume it's going to come back at some point. I mean, you, you, they let it go. So I assume it's coming back. Maybe. I mean, we'll see what, we'll see what the next writer ends up doing. Oh, um, really? It, it, there's no plans for it in, in your run right now? No, yeah, no plans for the slithery. I, I wanted it to be like, I mean, like the slithery, it's out in the ocean now. Why would it come back? It's happy now. Because it's cool. <laughs> Although, at the end of 108, you know, Baxter has the slithery eggs. So who knows? So so what can the readers expect from your next, I guess, is your final 11 issues, I, so, I guess? So like 109, 109 to 112 is like, it's, I don't know, like not tales of mutant town, but it's like a lot about like, the turtles kind of like establishing themselves in mutant town and running afoul of like other 
mutant citizens and comes back into the picture and there's going to be some familiar classic character faces. I can't say who. Okay. So that'll be there. Um, and then 113 to three, four, five, six. 113 to 117 is where I come back as artist. And that's going to be like a time travel thing. Nice. And to ancient I, Japan, like the third movie? No. Okay. <laughs> it's, still, right. it's, it's still present day, but there's a time traveler character. Okay. You, you, you might like, if you've read, if you've read the first five issues, you probably can guess who it is already. First five issues of the entire series. No, just of of, uh, of my run. So like, oh, okay, gotcha. All right, uh, I'll I'll make some guesses later. <laughs> you know, if you read issue one hundred and five, it's hard to miss. Okay, but it, it sounds like I said, it, I, I really have enjoyed what you've done with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and like I said, it was something that I have recently, you know, um, discovered. And I and I really think you, you guys have been doing a, you specifically been doing a great job writing it. Thank you. It's been great. It's been super fun. It, it, I mean, it seems like you can usually tell when a writer is enjoying what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I like to think that it comes through on the page. Yeah, I mean, it definitely does. And but yeah, so I just want—I do want to thank you for talking with me. We've talked for a bit, and I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, like, and you can always write more after one twenty. I, I think. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna be sad when I leave. I don't want to go. Like, I don't want to leave the series, but I mean. They're not. I don't know. I don't know if they they're gonna fire me or whatever. But like, I think like I think Bobby, the editor, I think he wants to because the original idea was that like after Tom left, it was gonna be like each year, like twelve issues, you know, give or take, was gonna be like a new uh, like showrunner, quote unquote, person, you know, like a different cartoonist would like take over and steer the ship for like a, a year. Um, so yeah, like, I think, you know, he's already trying to like line somebody up after I leave, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be sad. <laughs> are, are you thinking that you may do like a, t like Tom he's, he's did an annual. Do you think you'd return as like someone who's doing like one shots or annuals? Do you think with them? Yeah, I have thought about that. And I've already talked to Bobby about a couple of pitch ideas for like mini series which would be really cool. So if he's listening, get on it and <laughs> do <some laughs> can continue. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure this podcast has a lot of sway. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, I mean, I wonder if I just like, you know, went to him and was just like, Bobby, I don't want to leave. Like, I wonder what he would do if he would just let me stay on or I don't know. Well, well you know, you, you can do an old trick and just announce you're doing the next one, issue 121 <laughs> and just and say you're in a position where you can't say no anymore. He's like, or well, I'll I've just, already announced the storyline. I'll just like s suddenly send him the script for like issue one or uh, 121. He's like, oh. Yeah, just have you ever seen Seinfeld? Yeah, of course. With the episode where Kramer gets fired from the job, or but it keeps going to work anyway because right. just assumes they won't notice. Well, I don't really work here. That's what makes this so difficult. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> just keep on sending the scripts, <laughs> announcing the new storylines, and Lot right. just has to take it. I mean, he, he made doesn't like confrontation. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. I think I'm going to do that. It'll be really funny if he actually does listen to the episode and he's like, son of a bitch. That's what's going to be done, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for talking with me. I'll let you know when the episode goes live and I greatly appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem.
And we're back. I'm not. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I lulled you into this, like, I feel bad. What did I do? And then, boom, I took it. <laughs> it took it from me. That's all right. You can have it. I'll give you this one. I'll give it to you. Hey, that you. was really cool, huh? Sophie's done a lot. That was she cool. seems like a really cool person to chat with. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's again, it was, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, Jeff, thanks again for, you know, all you do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Th- thanks, Sophie, for coming on. Uh, obviously, we appreciate all of our guests. And, uh, and I mean, it's always fun when people come on and talk about what they've done and, and, and you sit listening and go, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. And that's, that was definitely what happened on this one for me. Yeah. Well, it's, it feels like, I don't know, comic writers and comic artists, it's a different, it's a different job than what most people yeah. have. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You, especially uh, independents that they, they don't make the money that you think they do. You know, no, you they don't. Be, they make. I mean, yeah, you got to be a real rock star to get to the point where you're um, healthy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. But when you meet people that are just so passionate, and that's the thing with comic book artists and and just people who are creative in the comic industry. And I'm sure this is true with almost all creators um, in whatever industry that they're in. But you have to have real passion for comics and comic books to stick with it for long periods of time uh, to make it, you know? Because you're going to have lean years that are more lean than people realize. And you really got to hustle and you really got to show what you have because there's so many amazing artists and so many amazing writers in the field that if you don't have a passion for it, you're just, you're not going to make it, you know? If you're just like, oh yeah, it's kind of cool. I'll, I'll I'll give it a try. You can't just give it a try. You got you have to go all in, feet, head, yeah, hands, everything. And the one thing Sophie showed during that interview is that she has real passion for what she's doing, and I, I yeah. love hearing people like that. Yeah, you can't you can't half-ass the comic industry, man, because there's not. I mean, it's 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 a grind, and it's it's a good grind. It's a fun grind, but you got to be you got to be in it, you got to be in it to win it. Yeah, in it to win it. As as cliche <laughs> as that is, it is so true. It rings it so true. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's a show. Yeah, that's that's a show. And I hope you guys really enjoyed listening to Sophie and Jeff pontificate about the comic book industry um, and comics in general because it's a lot of fun. And if you did enjoy that, I really, really urge you to go to spoilerverse.com and check out the back issues for Spoiler Country, uh, the podcast there. There's tons of stuff there but also all the other amazing podcasts that are on that website. There's so much stuff for you that there's articles and previews and reviews and, and so much cool stuff that uh, you need to go there and check it out. And there's a store where you can get t-shirts and hoodies and masks and stickers and tapestries and notebooks and you know, whatever else they offer there. And uh, we get a dollar or two from that and you can look fly as hell and make your, make your, your world fly as hell. And uh, we get, the, like I said, a dollar or two from that that helps us uh, support the site and everything we do here. And uh, you can you know be a part of that. Yeah, totally. Hey, hey, can I have an idea? What's that? Should we should we go ahead and drop our, our our new Discord on this one and start talking about that? Yes. Yeah. So in the links below, we have a Discord channel for Spoilerverse. You can join and chat with everybody and have a lot of good have a good time. We have we've been going for about a month already. We've got like you know a bunch of people in there already. So come join us on Discord. It'll be the link in the show notes. Awesome. Yeah. Come join us. Talk. Chat. Have fun. Yeah. Make fun of Fluffy Kitten because he's fun to make fun of. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's a show. We're out of here. Show. But don't forget, in an oceans of podcasts, we
New York to do it. That's what compels you. 